hey, I'm back. <laughs> now, uh, for those of you who are familiar with our church, you might have noticed that I am not Pastor Carter. Pastor Carter is away out of town. He is enjoying time with his family in the great state of New York City, and, uh, or New York, more specifically, New York City. New York, New York, the city so nice, they named it twice. And so I'm really happy that he is getting the time to to be with his family. I hope they're eating great food, enjoying all the sights, and and staying warm. I don't know if you know this. It actually snowed in New York City today, so I hope that they're bundled up and not catching a cold. Um, Tonight, before we get into the message, I I just want to acknowledge that amazing bumper video we just saw. Fun fact, Mr. Josh Rauchy created all those graphics and animation, and uh, I, where is Josh? There's Josh. Can we just take time to show our appreciation for all his hard work and talent? Josh, you really are such an incredible leader. I mean, not only does he lead our worship team week in and week out, he also serves as the youth leader at our Key Biscayne campus along with his wife, Leah. They do an incredible job pouring into the middle school students and high school students there. They absolutely love Josh and Leah's leadership. And I just found out that he creates graphic animation bumper videos. I mean, this guy wears so many hats at Crossbridge and he wears them so well. He's like the Bruno Mars of church ministry. <laughs> In all seriousness, we, uh, we are so blessed to have so many creative and talented people in our church. And not just because they're creative and talented, We're blessed because these people have a genuine excitement to bring the kingdom of God to planet Earth, the kingdom of God in our city and beyond, and they are using their creativity and their talents to further the kingdom. And these are people who have committed themselves to one another, who have sacrificially given of their time, their talent, and their treasure, and we are so grateful. Not every church gets this, and I'm so encouraged by this place. And because I'm so encouraged, I thought I would start us off tonight by encouraging you. I I just want to say to everyone in the room and everyone who's watching online, like, you made it. You're here. And I don't mean that you just made it to church. I mean, you made it through another year despite all the challenges that 2023 offered that made you want to throw in the towel and quit on Jesus. I mean, many of us faced overwhelming situations last year that would make anybody question the goodness of God, his mercy, his grace, his plan for our lives. Just looking around this room, knowing some of the stories that I know, I know some of you went through incredibly tough times last year. I know some of us, you received a discouraging diagnosis. You've been wrestling with depression or anxiety. There are some of us here tonight, they experienced the devastation of losing a parent or a loved one, the pain of having a miscarriage. There are some of us who experienced and endured the heartache of of a cheating partner, the person that you love so much betraying your trust. 
And I think there might be even people in this room tonight who, whose marriage might be on the rocks. They have no idea how they're going to make it through next year. Their, parent, their kids are just driving them crazy. Others of us, you know, there have been job losses, career setbacks, financial challenges. Whatever it was, you had a hundred reasons to quit on Jesus and you didn't. And you're here. And I want to let you know how proud I am of you and how encouraged I am by each of you. Learning to remain hopeful through tough times is a sign of spiritual maturity. I mean, it takes grit, determination, and faith to resist the pool of following other saviors of this world to worship and follow and bend the knee to, and you didn't. And you're here on the first Sunday of the new year, and we are so grateful to have you. You know, one of the best, jo- like greatest joys of my job is watching people take their next easiest step towards Jesus. Their next easiest step towards Jesus. And what I mean by that is watching people grow and develop into the character that Jesus had, whether it's growing and developing in his compassion, his mercy, his grace, his wisdom, his justice. It is an absolute joy to be part of that process. And if you really think about it, it's kind of the whole point to Christianity, to become more like him. I like to say it this way. The best version of yourself always looks like Jesus. The best version of yourself always looks like Jesus. And becoming like Jesus, that is a lifelong process that we will all struggle through. It'll be hard, it'll be slow, and at times it will even be painful. But I want to encourage you and remind you that God always gives purpose to our pain. God always gives purpose to our pain. And if we remain faithful to him, if we trust him through the process, on the other side of our pain, there are beautiful promises fulfilled to those of us who earnestly seek after him. And so I'm excited to be here. And as we kick off the new year, we're going to spend the next six weeks in a new series we've called God First. God first. I like that. God first. You know, one of the best strategies for you becoming more like Jesus is learning how to put God first in your life. Now, I know that sounds kind of obvious and coming from a pastor, it probably sounds a little cliche, but there is something deep here that I want us to explore. By a show of hands, how many of you have ever had trouble staying in the day that you're in because you're thinking about or you're stressing about a day that is yet to come? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, a lot of us. It's funny, worry and stress and fear has this weird way of robbing us of enjoying the present moment. And, and what's wild is that worry, stress, and fear, they have this way of even robbing future days that are considered good days. I mean, I know we have a lot of uh, students that come to Crossbridge, and whether you're in high school, college, or grad school, this time of year can be really stressful and really overwhelming. We're rounding into the new spring semester, and in addition to your studies, you've got finals to think about, you have graduation, you have board exams that you need to pass, bar exams, certifications that you need to acquire. You're wondering, am I going to land that internship? Am I going to get a job when all this is said and done? What is happening? And it's, it's, robbing you of being able to stay in the present moment. Maybe you're single, and you 
you desire to get married. You want to find the one who's going to love you for the rest of your life. And you just think about, man, if I could just find that person, my life will be complete. I can't wait until I have my wedding day. They're going to look so good. I'm going to look so good. I can't wait. But, oh, my gosh, is time running out? I don't know if they're going to like the way I look, how my breath smells in the morning. What is going to happen to me? And it's robbing you from really getting to enjoy the here and now. Or maybe you're like me, and you desire to be great at your job. And you have a lot of projects coming up, and you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, I have all these emails that I have to write, all these phone calls I need to make, these text messages aren't getting answered, what am I going to do? And you just start obsessive over work, 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 and it's robbing you of being able to be here in the moment. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we could all admit that we struggle with worry from time to time. And so tonight, I want us to ask ourselves the question, how can we live in such a way where the worries of tomorrow don't rob us of the joys of today? How can we live in such a way where the worries of tomorrow don't rob us of the joys of today? I mean, is it possible to even live that way? Well, according to the Gospels, it is. And Jesus, he is our perfect example on how to do this. I want you to think about this for a second. Jesus' sole purpose here on earth was to save all of humanity. That's a pretty big job. A pretty big job with a lot of pressure. And despite only having three years of public ministry, he was somehow able to stay present with every moment that he was in. Consider the time that he and his disciples were on a boat crossing the Sea of Galilee and they run into this massive storm. The disciples, they're full of fear and panic and they're doing everything they can to stay alive. And what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. He's not worried about the storm at all. There's this other time where Jesus was asked to help a man named Jairus who was a prominent figure in the community of the day. Jairus' daughter was sick, and she was actually on her deathbed, and, and Jesus agreed to go to Jairus' home to heal her. And as he was walking towards her home, crowds started to form around him. There was a lot of excitement around Jesus at the time. And in the crowd, there was this woman, and this woman struggled with an ongoing bleeding issue for years and years and years. And she thinks to herself, man, if I can just touch his clothes, I know he can heal me. And by faith, she reached out. Out and she touched the hem of his garment and immediately she was healed. Jesus, sensing that something moved inside of him, the Holy Spirit, he stopped and he says, who, who touched me? Mind you, there's urgency to what he needed to do. This girl is literally dying on her deathbed and yet he wasn't so consumed with the future that he wasn't able to help and see the woman in front of his very eyes that he needed to heal. Tonight, I want us to look at something that Jesus taught us, and I want us to more specifically look at something for people who really have a hard time staying in the moment that we're in. To those of us who have trouble staying in today, and we're going to be in the Bible to find this answer. So if you have your Bibles, would you do me a favor and open it up to the book of Matthew? 
Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be in verses 33 and 34. And as we kick off this new series, we're going to be using these two verses as the foundational text for the next six weeks. These two verses are going to help us answer why it's important to put God first in our lives and how we can do it. And these two verses, they're from a portion of the Bible called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, it's considered probably Jesus' most famous body of teaching he's ever done. Even if you don't come from a church background or you don't know that much about the Bible, it's likely that you've heard teachings from the Sermon on the Mount. It's where we learn things like the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus teaches us how we can pray to our Father in heaven. This is uh, the sermon where we learn teachings like, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, Love your neighbor as yourself. And then this totally revolutionary, radical idea, love your enemies. And if you're here tonight and you're skeptical on Christianity, you don't really know if you believe if Jesus is who he says he was, I, I think you're in the right place. Because one of the best pieces of evidence for Jesus being God in the flesh are his teachings. I mean, I want you to think about this for a second. Throughout history, we have advanced in every field of science and technology, yet in 2,000 years, no one has ever been able to improve upon the moral teachings of Jesus. No one. No one has ever ever been able to improve upon his teaching. They are the greatest words ever spoken. They're the kind of words you might expect God to say. And so tonight, I want us to look at verses 33 and 34. And these two verses, they're going to help us answer what are we to do with our fear, our anxiety, and our worry. Because here's what I know. 2024 has this way of, of offering fresh possibility, fresh, fresh opportunity to us, and yet there's going to be something that comes along the way that's going to knock us off our feet and discourage us. So how, do we, how do we pick ourselves up? How do, we, how do we learn to keep our anxiety and our worry at bay? And I'm just going to give you the big idea, the, the, the answer. It's found in verses 33 and 34. In verse 33, Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's it. That's the key. It's not new information to a lot of us. You know, put God first and everything else will follow. I think if we're going to really appreciate this answer, it's going to have to require us to back up the four verses 33 and 34. Because 33 and 34, they're, they're the, they mark the end of this section of teaching. And for us to really understand what's going on, we need to go back to where Jesus is really starting the conversation. And we can find where he starts that in verses, verse 24. This is what he says. I love this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will despise the one and be devoted to the other. You cannot serve both God 
and money. Now, when we read this, oftentimes we zoom in our focus on that money part, and it's true. Money is a big deal to God, but Jesus is saying something much bigger than money in this sentence. He's saying you cannot serve two masters. It doesn't matter what the other thing that is competing for mastery in your life is. You cannot serve both God and something else. Why did he talk about money? Why, why would he choose money specifically? Probably because he knows that money is something we're likely to stress about. I mean, for many of us, money it represents financial security, a sense of, uh, of comfort. It, it represents the ability to provide for others in our lives, the, the ones that we really care about. It, it really gives us a lot of security, and so it's likely that we would stress about it. And Jesus is saying you can't serve both God and money. He's not saying that money is bad. He's just saying that it makes for a bad master. And so I want to ask you, what's competing for mastery in your life? Because we're all seeking something, whether we realize it or not. We're all seeking something. God is saying you can't serve two masters. And that's, that's fine, but, but what is it that is the competing master? You can't serve both God and your business. You can't serve both... God and your popularity and your notoriety. You can't serve both God and the opinion of others that, that, that other people have of you. You can't serve two masters. And if you do, it is a recipe for fear, worry, and anxiety. We need to determine what is most important in our life. And if that most important thing is the kingdom of God, everything else will follow. Jesus continues in verse 25, and I'm going to read the next uh, nine verses because this is such a beautiful response to how we are not able to serve two masters, and it really provides a picture for how Jesus cares for us and how he really wants us to, to get to an answer. This is what he says in verse 25. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon, King Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Jesus is making the point that we must choose faith over worry. 
He, we must choose faith over worry. We can trust that God will provide all these things for us because of who he is and how much he cares for us. God not only cares about us collectively, he cares about us individually. And listen to me, he cares about you personally. When Jesus references the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, he's using a metaphor to let us know that something that might seem so insignificant to us is of great value to his Father in heaven. And how much more valuable are you than birds and flowers? Much more. Infinitely more. Between verses 25 and 34, Jesus uses the word, the word worry at least five different times. And I think he does this because he knows what a challenge it is for us to choose faith over fear. You know, I once heard a pastor say, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it takes you nowhere. Corey Ten Boone, who's a famous missionary, she's taken the gospel to the ends of the earth. She said this about worry. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And I love this quote about worry. Worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. Isn't that true? Look, we're all guilty of acting on fear and worry. But we must choose not to give in to fear. We must choose not to give in to fear, especially for those of us who consider themselves to be followers of Jesus. Because, and, and, and I'm trying to love us well tonight, when it comes to our worry and when it comes to our fear, we have a permanent solution for a temporary problem. We have a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Jesus says in verse 33, this is the solution. I'm, I'm giving it to you right here. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, we got to do something with that because if we don't, this is just going to be a cliche verse that we're going to put on coffee mugs or bumper stickers and we're going to hang it around our house, but we have no idea what it means and we're going to miss out on the beauty and the depth and the love that Jesus has for us. And so we got to break it down. I'm gonna, I'm, I want us to focus on this word seek for a second. The word seek in the original Greek is a word called Zeteo. Zeteo. And what it means is to seek with the intention of finding. Right? It's a verb. An action word. It's our instruction in our end of the deal. You know, I'll never forget um, Christmas of last year. Uh, Throughout the whole month, I was asking my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, what do you want for Christmas? And she took her sweet time in letting me know. And on uh, literally a week before Christmas Day, she finally showed me a picture of a purse she really wanted. And I saw her eyes get really excited. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to find it. And so what did I do? I went immediately searching and seeking for it. I went on the internet. Would you know, it was out of stock. That wasn't going to stop me. I went to five different stores across Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County, hoping that one of them would have it on the shelf. They were completely sold out. I wasn't going to give up, though. I remembered that my sister lives in Manhattan, and they have stores up there. So I called her on the phone and asked her if she could go find it. And she went to at least three different stores until she finally found an exact match of the one that Alex wanted for Christmas. And would you believe... 
we were able to fly her down, and on Christmas Day, she opened her present, and I was the best boyfriend ever. I won. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, no, all jokes aside, it, it, was, it was a great Christmas, and I was happy that I was able to deliver the present on time. But how many of you know that I was only able to find the purse because I sought after it? I didn't passively wait for it to appear in my hands. I didn't give up when the first store didn't have it on the shelf. I think that there are people in this room tonight that need to seek after the Lord the same way that they would seek after their favorite sporting events tickets, their favorite concert, your 401k, your financial portfolio, your, your dream home, your dream vacation. Seek after the Lord. I mean, this is, the, the Bible, it uses the word seek at least 135 times, uh, depending on which translation you're using. I would say that this is pretty important. We need to aim our attention at the kingdom of God and strive after his righteousness. And in, the author of Hebrews says in chapter 11, verse 6, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Did you hear that? There's a reward for seeking after God. And that reward is God. But it's not that we are just to seek after God. Verse 33 tells us, but seek first the kingdom of heaven. Okay, now we, we got to look at this word first for a second. The word first in the original Greek is this word called prota, and it means of primary importance. Jesus is saying that we need to make his kingdom and his righteousness our primary concern. And it's not because he is selfish, and it's not because he's narcissistic. It's because he knows that you and I, we can't serve two masters. When we refuse to put God first, then it's a recipe for anxiety, fear, and worry to enter into our lives. So how do we do this practically? We do it by giving God our first and best of everything. Our first and best of everything. It's why God teaches us the tithe. And, and by the way, everyone is tithing to something because everyone is giving their first and best to something. Tithing is not just limited to our resources, our financial resources. It is every aspect of our life. And if you're wondering where you're tithing to, you don't have to look too far. Your bank account will tell you. Your calendar will tell you. These things won't lie to you. You'll lie to you, but these things won't. You can't serve both God and fill in the blank. Jesus is saying that there are two masters, and he refuses to be second. All throughout Scripture, we see example after example of God being first and going first. I mean, consider Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. Colossians 1 verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, where we get the section of the Ten Commandments. The first commandment starts with, you shall have no other gods before me. John 3.16, the verse I said for our generosity moment tonight. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Acts chapter 3, verses 26. It says, when God raised up his servant, which is Jesus, by the way, when he raised up his servant, he sent him first to bless each of you by turning you from your wicked ways. And one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to I focus on that word, while. It says, while you were still a sinner. Not when you cleaned yourself up. Not when you pulled yourself up from your bootstraps. Not when you stopped doing this and started doing that. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. And friends, this is the best news in the universe. Because what this verse reveals is that Jesus moved towards you. You didn't move towards Jesus. God loved you first. While you were a sinner, Christ died for you. God went first. You didn't love him first. He first loved us. If you have any affection in your heart for Jesus, you didn't get that on your own. You got that the moment that you were saved by grace alone, through faith alone, by no act of your doing. This is the best news. This revelation of God's love towards us should humble us and motivate a desire within us to seek after his kingdom and righteousness. So what does it mean to seek after the kingdom of of God? It means that we seek after his will over our own will. We prioritize his agenda over our agenda. I want you to think about when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. What a heavy moment that was. He had just come from having dinner with his disciples. And while he was in the garden, he knew that he was about to be betrayed, that he was going to be dragged away and die a horrific death on a cruel cross. You don't think that would create a type of anxiety in him? And, and he prays this prayer the Bible says he's sweating blood because he's so nervous, but he prays this prayer that just proves that he gets our anxiety. And he says, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. What this verse reveals is that Jesus didn't want to have to go to the cross if there was another way to finish his father's plan. He didn't want to have to do it. He knew how hard it would be, but I'm so grateful that he didn't stop there. He continues by saying, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I think some of us need to adopt a nevertheless kind of mindset in 2024. A nevertheless mindset, it, it, it is you understanding that it is God's way over your way. And how does that look practically? It looks like, God, 
I know that there's a promotion coming up. I know you know how hard I work. I know you know how many hours I spend in the office, how my numbers look compared to my coworkers. Nevertheless, I will be happy to whoever you give this promotion to, even if I don't think that they deserve it. God, you know how much I want to be married. You know that I've been looking for the person that I want to commit my life to. You know how hard it is to pursue your design for marriage. Nevertheless, I know that I can be happy with you because true satisfaction and true intimacy is found in you. Seeking the kingdom of God means living to please the Lord in all things. All things, how we dress, how we speak, how we treat people, our attitudes, what we're doing when nobody is looking. It's giving up the need to control or manipulate. And look, this can be challenging for a lot of us because it's so much easier for us to seek God because we want something from him rather than just being satisfied with him. God, if I just go to church more or if I pray hard enough or if I give my money to you, then you're going to give me what I want. You have to, right? Like, you'd be cruel not to. But that's not how this works. You don't get to put God into your debt. This isn't some bartering deal where you're going to give him these things and then he's going to give you those things. That's not who we're talking about. If we're to seek the kingdom of God, it's going to start with us surrendering our will and our whole life by bringing it to Jesus and saying, you are the authority over everything in my life. I am living as you revealed to me through your book by the power of the Holy Spirit all the days of my life. It is giving all of my life for all of my life. All of my life for all of my life. And he is so deserving of it. Lord, you get the first and best of me. You get the first and best of my money. You get the first and best of my marriage. You get the first and best of my job. You get the first and best of my kids. You get the first and best of anything because I can't serve two masters. And I won't. But you can't get there without recognizing that there is a competing master in your life. You have to name the problem. You can't get there without Jesus saying, no, there's that one thing between us. You have to choose. His will or your will. And if we choose him, What's the promise that awaits us? It's found right there in in verse 33. All these things will be added to you. All these things will be added to you. You know what the Greek word for all means? All. But what, what is he talking about? Jesus is talking about drink, food, and shelter, all symbols of provision, fullness, and life. And and hear me when I tell you this. He's talking about a long-term vision for whole world restoration. These things were not all added to Jesus himself during his lifetime. 
I mean, if you just think about his story, he, he remained poor. He was constantly under attack. He even died a, a horrific death, death on a cruel cross. But he knew these experiences were not ultimate. Having every possible need met every day appears to be something we will ultimately experience when God's kingdom is complete. When everyone everywhere operates and loves according to the king. It's why we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Verse 34 reveals the compassion of Jesus. And this is so compassionate of him. I really want you to hear this. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Or uh, some other translations say, tomorrow has enough trouble on its own. And I want to tell you why this is so compassionate about Jesus. Because Jesus is giving you full permission in this verse to enjoy today. Full permission. You can enjoy today absolutely guilt-free. How do you deal with fear, worry, and anxiety? You do it by giving it over to the Lord, laying it down at his feet, and you don't let it compound on tomorrow's trouble. We simply stay in today. Sounds pretty good. So if you're a Christian today, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to create space sometime this week and do some inventory in your life. Do some inventory of where you're giving your first and best to. Look at your calendar, your wallet, the places you go, and ask yourself, is God getting your first and best? I'm not asking you to do this because I want you to feel bad or guilty. There is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. But this is our way of reorienting ourselves to say, Lord, you're the piece of paper. You're the piece of paper. You are not just my priority. You're the very paper that the priority list is written on. You get my first and best. And if you're not a Christian, this is what it means to be a Christian. It is all of my life for all of my life. Lord, you are preeminent. You're what I need, what I want, and what I'm after. Where you lead, I will go.